So today, I had the misfortune of discovering that someone who already is a terrible person, and we don't need a clone of, has a clone, and he goes by Kid Kentucky. Bet you can't guess who he's a tribute band for. Kid Kentucky for Kid Rock? Yes. Ew. And it's one of the worst things I have ever seen in my life. So he's like a Kid Rock tribute guy? Yes. He's a impersonator? Ew. (laughs) Oh, no. I guess. And the American Badass Band. Kid Rock tribute show? Kid Rock doesn't need a tribute show. He's alive. And so this is him. What if it's just Kid Rock pretending to not be Kid Rock? It probably is. (laughs) It probably is Kid Rock pretending to not be himself, because that would make the most sense. And if you look... Ew, it looks just like him! Yeah. That's totally Kid Rock! Pretending to be pretending not Kid to Rock. Be a Kid Rock impersonator so that he can get away with sucking. Yes. <laughs> Especially when you read this. Kid, Kid Kentucky is Kid Rock's biggest fan, paying homage to the greatest artist out there. It sounds like he wrote it about himself. Kid Rock had to work like a dog. D-A-W-G. Dog. D-A-W-G. To get where he is today. And Kid Kentucky is one of the most grateful that he did. Kid Kentucky works as hard as he can as well to deliver the best Kid Rock tribute experience possible. Between the music, the show, the look, and the songs, Kid Kentucky comes the closest you can get to the real thing. Thank you, Kid Rock, for such great music to work with. And then, the ultimate Sean, whoever Sean is. Absolutely this, this amazing. Quote, Can't yeah. wait until another show. I'm a huge Kid Rock fan, and now a huge Kid Kentucky fan. Lifelong. If you're a Kid Rock fan, just go see a Kid Rock show. Why listen to Because tribute shows come when they're dead. Who's literally singing the same music as Kid Rock. It's the generic version. It's like Diet Sprite. Like, what the fuck? It, it is. It is. <sighs> Why is this? And, and the reason I found this lovely piece of work here. Oh, no. Is because <laughs> a very good friend of mine who I love very much. I actually hope to have on the podcast eventually. Um. <laughs> was called out by this motherfucker. Nuh-uh. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. She had this guy because she criticized Kid Rock. Heaven forbid. Um. <laughs> and so this lovely gentleman yes. decided to stick yes. up for his biggest inspiration. Yes, and he says that he... <laughs> he says that she is just a triggered liberal. Hmm. So, apparently, which <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm I'm telling you right now, <clears throat> we'll we'll promo her a little bit because what she said, her response to that was, "I swear the conservatives have two jokes. One of them is her der liberals triggered, and the other one is Kid Rock." <laughs> That's good. Um, That's great. Oh my god. <laughs> And he says she triggered. And she's like, can you imagine being a guy who makes a living cosplaying as Kid Rock? Can you imagine Kid Rock, a man who's still 
gracing us like, with his presence. This is like a looks like a fucking sold out show. Like this is it like, does. People actually go see this Kid Rock impersonator. Yeah, which he's, I mean, good he's for him, got, I guess. But like, he's why? Why? Followers. You know what? I saw a Beatles tribute band at the Alaska State Fair. <laughs> When I was like seventeen, <laughs> and they we were also, really good. <laughs> we were also uh, introduced to a Journey tribute band when we went to see Lights at Universal City Walk. Mm-hmm. And then the real thing when we went and seen uh, those guys whose names I've forgot. I'm so sorry oh <laughs> that we got pictures with Peter Byrne. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Naked the guys, eyes. naked eyes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super proud of that. I got to introduce the band. I was. It was like, a wonderful. That was a wonderful that's moment. That's one of my like happiest memories. I introduced the band. You know the song "Promises, Promises," the one of the biggest songs of the fucking eighties. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> I got to meet that guy. <laughs> that's some cool shit. Yeah. But that's the thing. We had we had those people, and then we had the the impersonators for bands that aren't the same anymore. And those ones are good. I mean, he's good at what he does, I guess. Props to that. He but he only like has Kid 675 Rock. followers. And I'm really pretty sure he is just Kid Rock. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just Kid Rock. <laughs> yeah. I need I'm pretty to see sure. a picture of him without, like, sunglasses on. Are there more pictures of this guy? Uh, yes. <laughs> on Instagram. Oh, no. As close to the real thing as you can get. Because <laughs> you what just a, is. But you can get the real thing because the real thing still goes on tour. I wanted to tell him, I wanted to send him a message and let him know that I got the real thing to put his credit cards and his wallet in my hand. I could have walked right off when he was that drunk, but I didn't. But I have been real close to Kid Rock. And you know what? I regret it. Great music, real hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, good morning, gamers. <laughs> it's 3.15 p.m. Woo, that was a way to start the show. Damn. <laughs> yes, it was. Oh, my God. Oh. I'm sorry. I laughed so hard at you last night. <laughs> when you messaged me, let me just regale the audience with this. <laughs> with this story, the way I read it last night. Because I, I know that it's... Total schadenfreude of why I thought it was so funny. Um, <laughs> God. So, you messaged me at 11.59. What time should we get online tomorrow? And then, three minutes later, making an emergency meal because my crockpot wasn't plugged in for three hours and you sent me pictures of the meal you were making. <laughs> yes. It's like, fuck. Ah. That sucks so much, but I was dying. Um, and then you're like I'm so mad (laughs) and you said I even let it go a little longer so it would be really sure to be done and then I was just I was done I was like oh no you even let it go longer (laughs) I was so mad because I was in a pretty nice little spot mellow when I went down there and it was just gone and then I was using a a specific brand of tray mm. that had apparently been sitting too close to the burner that was on. Oh no! And I went like this to move it, and just oh. burnt my hand. Oh, and I was just shit. like, 
See, that's Do not I funny. Need any more problems? <laughs> that's not funny. I can't laugh at you being hurt. Thankfully, I have um, a, a history of it, and so I keep aloe vera around. Yeah. But yeah, so I took care of that. So you had a specific topic you wanted to record about today. Yes, yes, I did. Um, I'm not even sure how to classify that topic. Mm, BDSM lifestyle talk. <laughs> yeah. Kink talk. Basically. That should be that should be a morning show. Kink talk. It probably is. We just don't know. <laughs> On like the Playboy <laughs> Network or something. <laughs> They're not cool enough. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. Um, I feel like, first of all, because of how BDSM can sometimes be very exclusionary or exclusive depending on what areas you're in and how you socialize with it. True. Um, if you socialize with it. I think that we don't have the opportunity to learn really from people who have been there, done that, whether that's a role or a kink or a play experience. I guess whatever. because in, in like mixed company, it's just not talked about. It's not. It's not really expressed. And then um, in the kink community... You just don't hear a lot of talk about, like, mental health and when things go wrong. The, the mental health um, side of and too. And, like, self-care in that. Yeah. Uh, maybe more so now, but... Um, I think it's starting to open up, but people still don't want to share the ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Because, um, understandably, because if... We're already so concerned about there being a negative connotation. Yes. So we're trying to protect the reputation of the lifestyle right. um, by not Which sharing is the negative sides of it. But that's not a good way to protect anything. You have to share all sides of it. Um, yeah. Because that's how we end up with Fifty Shades of Stupid. <laughs> and people like um, me who would no longer participate in the lifestyle. And I think that having more education on what it feels like to ride that roller coaster of emotions and mental health and growth mm-hmm. would have better prepared us to protect ourselves in it. Yeah. Because there will always be someone who misuses the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. There will always be someone who misuses their influence. And there will always be somebody who takes advantage of someone who's new. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how much we want to protect it. Um, or want people to see the positive side of it, mm-hmm. everything has balance. Mm-hmm. And how do we know more about protecting ourselves when we express submission? Um, I think we could have avoided a lot of situations and also been mm, more aware of the things that ended up causing other types of havoc in our life. Sure. Because mental health was still not talked about back then, like at all. Yeah. <laughs> not not like, around us. Not we knew what life. depressed was. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't really know anything else around mm-hmm. caring for yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because like a big uh-huh. one for me, when you brought it up, I was thinking about it last night because I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what you're getting at with the topic. So I don't know exactly what you want to touch on. But for me, um, my negative experiences based on me being a submissive are intrinsically tied to lack of self-esteem um, right. and lack of self-worth. Right. Um, because I found that the only way I could feel like I was worth being in a relationship with or anything was sex um, mm-hmm. and submission. Yeah. And when 
you're not given any kind of other encouragement or or care or respect, um, yeah, it it gets toxic really quickly, you know. Oh yes. Um, and oh, it yeah. definitely for me, like it influenced pretty much every single relationship I've been in. Everything my entire forward. life, you know. Right, and that's kind of where I was, where I am headed with it, because for me, because of where I came from and was raised as a kid, mm-hmm. and the conservative upbringing I had, and the being groomed to be a housewife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I met the BDSM world head on. I was already a good submissive, but that was that's really toxic. My value. That's really yeah, toxic. That was literally my value. <laughs> when I discovered BDSM, I was like, "Oh, a place where I can make sense." You traded a controlling, abusive cult mentality for BDSM yeah. with no real difference in yourself, right? And also you know? without anyone to educate me in what my role meant mm-hmm. in that lifestyle because it means something different than what my mom raised me to be of course yeah this isn't but i didn't know all i could tell was i fit here yeah really well yeah and it felt safe for me and it was it was a place where i started to process my trauma so it it didn't stay clueless it's not all negative no there's definitely Um, i had very good experiences and very terrible ones but what I've realized over the years is that much like biphobia begets this sort of bi shame, that runs through BDSM really strongly. Mm. Like a shame for being a switch and not being wholly one thing or wholly another thing. Yeah, it's like you're not really in um, it. You're just yeah. playing, you know? Yeah, you're treated like you're not, you're not a part yeah. of it. And so when I developed a dominant side, I immediately tried to squelch it. Because mm-hmm. it was shameful. It was shameful to switch in my mind. You're no longer. And the people around me encouraged that mentality. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't, if I'm, if I'm dominant, I can't also be submissive in my mind. They were not, they didn't work together. And I have to credit one of my longer relationships in the scene, uh, with calling that to my attention. Mm-hmm. It may have ended badly, but it wasn't without an education. Mm-hmm. Also, your um, self worth was edu- was helped in that relationship as well. That yeah. was one of the more positive. It, he was. I often wondered why I was directed towards him, mm-hmm. and at the end of it all, when I had healed and processed that experience, I could see exactly why I was directed towards him. Mm-hmm. Because I think that without the influence of substances, we wouldn't have had a problem. Yeah. That's I think we were on the right track. <laughs> the thing that fucks things up. Yeah. That's why I have a very, I draw a very firm line when it comes to not having alcohol in my BDSM relationships at all. Yeah. I don't want to play with someone that drinks because that has literally been where the worst things have come from. Yeah. So I feel like if someone had told me sooner to value myself in my switchiness for one thing, but also to, uh, even if I was building it on the wrong foundation, mm-hmm. that of being submissive and not of other things before it, I think it would have helped if someone had taught me to value myself as a submissive. Mm-hmm. Me value myself. Yeah. Not just try to get other people to value me as a submissive. Right, right. That's the, the other then thing. once I was uncollared, then I was floating. Worthless. I had no, yeah. I had no point, which pushed me into relationships I shouldn't have gone into, um, because the, the mentality was, I need to, I need to 
to commit acts of service yeah. in order to be worth something. Yeah. And so part of the thing that would have helped me more is if the my peers, the submissives around me, and the people who were moving out of submission into something else had been open with me about why. Mm-hmm. Had talked to me about the process of change and growth and how you morph sometimes between one thing and another. Mm-hmm. It like would have given me a much firmer foundation. Person for, in any situation, oh, there's yeah. always change and adaptation in any situation, especially relationships. Yeah. Um, and it's taken me years. It's taken me mm, well over a decade. Yeah. From the time that I started to the time that I stopped finding my worth solely in my service. Yeah. Because I didn't even realize it was there. It's I didn't interesting. Realize it was a problem. You and I have very different uh, approaches to submission because I am 100% through and through brat. <laughs> um, and you are not. Um, no. Not at all. No. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'm like 100% the opposite. Of that. Yeah. So <laughs> the self-worth or the finding worth in other people was almost harder for me. Right. Because I wasn't, I'm not able to perform acts of service like that and be like, I'm so good at being a submissive. Like, I am not that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I wanted someone to see my worth or to show me that I had worth just as who I am. Like, I don't have to be broken. Right. And see, for me, into a good submissive. Since I came that way, yeah, like I came that way out of my household and into the scene, um, I never experienced that side of it, so it never carried that negative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it built me up instead. Like I was already there. I think if I had gone into it with and someone had come at me with that mentality of like breaking me in, Mm -hmm. I would have bucked it, and I probably would have just become dominant. Yeah. But because I went you into it yeah, and were, someone just embraced who I yeah, was. Very easily fell into it. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is easy. I know how to do this. This is something I know how to do. And so it was, it was, but it became very intense. It's very spiritual for me. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it can be very lonely when I'm not like in a relationship, in a BS relationship. Because uh, there's something beyond the energy exchange. I was going to say, it plays into, it's less about, well, it's hardly ever about sex. No, um, usually if, it's if more that's about, involved, it's like, more of a perk. There's literally a spiritual energy play in, yeah. in the works. Um, it doesn't have to be physical at all. Yeah. Um, and for it, for it to have an effect. Cause it's prime. literally like you can literally be in a room with someone who is very powerfully dominant and yeah. it will have an effect on you because you're that sensitive to those energies. Um, yeah. me, I coming from someone who literally hasn't been in the lifestyle, like as much as you have, like I've stopped. Um, right. <laughs> I, I think understandably so. Yeah. I think, um, learning the difference between being a masochist and being a submissive. Right. Um, because I am more drawn to the masochist side of things. Like it's more of a physical yeah. tactile thing for me. Right. Um, and let's see, like I have kind of thing. two sides there. Yeah. Cause I have, 
a space that I go to that is very service oriented, mm -hmm. which is why I was able to start working through it with a non-committal relationship mm -hmm. over that summer that I had. Right. 2017, 2018. Um, because for me, there's completely separate from everything that people think of when they think of kink. It's literally just a service submissive yeah. side. Like a housekeeper um, plus. Yeah. Like <laughs> a personal assistant yeah. or something. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like I'll do the, the little things because yeah, you I do feel find valued. A in that. Yeah. Yeah. I really feel valued because it's something they can't do and you're or making can't keep difference. up with and it helps them. Yeah. So I take, I take a lot of pleasure in that. Um, and also I have a masochistic side, mm -hmm. um, that has a much higher tolerance than I thought. Yeah. And it's been very interesting exploring that in recent years, finding out what that means for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but in both of my primary, BDSM relationships where I was submissive. They both lasted about the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. Strangely enough, uh, nine months seems to be a breaking point for people. Mm. Again, it's, it's substance use, legal substance use. I'm going to note both of these people were legally using these substances, but it altered them and they should not have put themselves in a situation with me while they were altered like that. Right. And that is what ended the relationship both right. times. Neither of them were sexually intimate very, very much at all. There was things that revolved around the concept, but I never was particularly intimate with my last one at all. Yeah. And then yeah. the first one was, it was very rare. Yeah. It's very rare, which actually made me feel less worth something. Like, because they didn't. Well, that to was be. much longer ago. That was, yeah, much it was very ago. early on. Um, so, uh, so that you was and I both struggled with, um, yeah, you and I both struggled with, we're only worth the sex that we have. Yes. Yeah, like, Which, you know, <laughs> I was raised to be a wife. Yeah. With this mentality of yeah. like, you're, you, you do whatever he wants you to do. So that's just how that works. So I found it weird when I met people in BDSM and found how separate sex was from kink. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, and I liked that. But at yeah. the time, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand why it made me feel bad when it wasn't involved. Right. Um, looking back on it, it makes sense now. And I didn't have that problem with my last relationship. I didn't feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. um, it was very service-oriented. But I was still learning things about myself there. Mm -hmm. Because in between those two relationships, I had multiple relationships where I was the dom, including one that lasted a whole year. Which I hate to say that like that, but it was very surprising. A whole year. Oh my God. <laughs> when no, I, I share that story, I get it. Yeah. Uh, people will understand. But uh, learning that side of myself and then fighting the shame of, oh, now I'm not really a, a what? I'm not really a something. Yeah. You know, I'm really a switch. I really do. My energy is different with um, female presenting people than it is with male presenting people. Right. Um, I've never really gotten to interact with someone who's non-binary or, mm -hmm. uh, and I imagine that's going to be a completely different kind of energy. Right. Like I feel like all of those things affect how we're going to interact with each other. I mean, that's why we have things like bi romantic in yeah. addition to bisexual. Yeah. Like I'm still learning how many things we have out there. Yeah. And I'm still learning from the people who identify these ways what that means for them. But I think it's only been in the last two years, three years, that I've really been able to find a balance with my switchiness. Mm -hmm. And it's because 
one person made it a point to not value my submission less because I'm also dominant. Yeah, we like that person. (laughs) (laughs) So having someone come along and show me that it's equal to them. And you're and no that, less you're no less of a wonderful submissive. Like it partner. doesn't change who I am. It doesn't change yeah. my submission quality. Mm-hmm. Because I just pick who that goes to. I blame dudes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much in the same way our self esteem has been affected by dudes. To go back to that first relationship that was so instrumental in your in your submission and in, in, in your life, yeah, it didn't last super long, but he got intimidated by you. He did. And he, he called ex- out my dominance. He called out your dominance and your masculinity before you transitioned. Yeah. Before um, I even had a clue. I didn't know that's where he was going with that. I don't know if he knew, but I think, I he, had think a, he had a good idea. I don't think he knew per se that you were trans before you knew. I just think that he saw something in you and like even in the energy exchange because you guys did have mm-hmm. a good energy exchange it was so good he felt it on. he felt it and things shifted the mm-hmm. more uh, you know what it was it was when we were both in the same house mm-hmm. and the way i acted on you mm-hmm. which even though for me i was fighting to try to keep this equality mm-hmm. but i'm a girl my protective <laughs> yeah, and my protective caretaker side which was not developed yet yeah uh was kicking up, and he was reading the dominance there. Mm-hmm. But also, he, he didn't like told me that I had a similar energy to someone who left him and transitioned, transitioned, and yeah. became a dom. Yeah. So I'm very curious. I'm very curious. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, um, years later, when I did transition, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. now I understand. Mm-hmm. And also, he has a type. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, but he was huge in. He was hugely instrumental in building my self esteem. Yeah, because all of the nice things a guy could ever say to me never mattered. I would I would get pissed off when guys compliment. Me. Oh yeah, want to hear yeah. It. I kind of like, still do. <laughs> um, I think the only thing that really meant a lot to me was like when I was told that I was not like other girls. But yeah. then I also called them out and was like, I bet you say that to everybody. Uh-huh. But there was some genuine feeling to that. Um, that's about it. Like, I can't remember a lot of strong yeah, compliments not like other even girls. from my partner. <laughs> it's funny now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it makes a lot of sense now. Why? This is why I would have a conversation with that person again. But, I mean, maybe it would go bad. Who knows? He uh-huh. might panic like he did before. He's good at panicking. Maybe he's grown. <clears throat> I don't know. I hope. I hate where he's at though. Uh, oh. It's none of our business now. Um, I I there's there's a, a I, I wanna figure out how to explain it because I was thinking about it. The giving your submission to someone who doesn't want it. Yes. Or doesn't that's, require it that, or that's ask part of that value thing I was talking right. about. Right. Because if you feel like that's the only way that you're worth something. Mm-hmm. And you get into a relationship with someone who is attracted to you or appreciates you for who you are or whatever right. or reason you guys start dating. I have found in myself, I become very vic or in the past, I had become very victim mentality in my relationships. Like poor pitiful right. me. You don't want right. me. Um, I had the fact that I only put value on my sexuality 
used against me. Yeah. By um, someone who completely stopped all physical intimacy whatsoever mm-hmm. um, for years. Um, and just like isolated me physically. So I wasn't able to, so I felt, I felt like I was just nothing at that point. Yeah. Cause I, this is what I'm good at. This is what I have to do, you know? Right. Um, and then you just don't touch me anymore mm-hmm. or want me anymore. So why are we still together? I don't understand. Um, right. but that, I think that was his form of like breaking me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then, because then all I could do for him was acts of service, and I I was made to do those things. Right. Um. And I didn't. That's a a person that, if they are going to be in that kind of relationship, should have sought out a service submissive and just made that agreement. Right. Because there are people who happily would have done, even in that situation, what that person wanted, and you were not it. Yeah. No, I'm 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 what they what he wanted. He just wanted to abuse somebody. No, I know. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. All of his relationships. The healthier way of processing that would have been to go find someone who wanted to be a service. Right. Rather than trying to break a young person. I know. So after that, that colored all of my relationships. So, like, I would panic if if there was any inclination of, like, not someone not wanting me. Right. um, In that way. But also, like, taking that submissive role... And then wondering why the person is not taking a dominant role and feeling like right. you're, you're like doing something wrong or they're, and then yeah. feeling like very victim, victimized. And I was called out for having a victim mentality. And I was like, that's so mean. Why would you say that to me? Um, <laughs> Hence and the response. <laughs> years later, I'm like, Oh wow. I really did treat everybody like they were abusing me because yeah. that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. That sucks. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it creates so many problems along the line. Mm -hmm. For me, my biggest problem I feel fell between 2010, beginning of 2010, when I kind of lost everything. Mm -hmm. That was one of my first experiences of just losing everything. Mm -hmm. The people that supported me, the people I cared about, uh, some temporarily, some permanently, and falling back with one person. Right. Who was a predator. Actually, I fell back on the two of the wrong persons, both of which were predators. Yeah. One was a passive predator, one was a more active predator. But both of them were more than glad to take the broken submissive me, since that's what I offered. Yeah. Had I been anything else but that, I wouldn't have ended up in either of those relationships. Right, right. And in my relationship now, which started and overlapped those other two. Mm-hmm. Being poly, that's always fun trying to map all that out. <laughs> but in this relationship, what set me apart was I never, I did not start the relationship by acting like that person. Right. This was the first time I met someone that I became assertive in their presence, mm-hmm. which is strange because very strong dominant qualities here. Sure. In my career life, everyday life, would prefer to not have to be that way at home. Mm-hmm. But I didn't read it that way. But I, I was assertive in the beginning of this relationship, uh, very much so. And the ensuing two years of bullshit from my ex um, really wore that down. Yeah. So by the time we settled again and we're back together, I was not quite the same person. 
Yeah. And I wasn't as assertive. And huh, I came out as trans. Oh, right. One. Well, that'll definitely mess oh, with sweet. your self-confidence during yeah. that whole process. And we rode a roller coaster of switching with each other. And that's the other thing is when you're in long-term relationships like that, like most of our, the, before the relationship I'm in right now and not counting you, yeah, the longest relationship I had been in was like two and a half years. And that yeah, was the and I hadn't one. even done that. I was like nine months, to yeah. eighteen months. And I, it felt like so fucking long because he was abusing me the whole time. But then yeah. I got with my current husband, and the time just flew by. And it just go, yeah. I'm like, how have we been together almost ten years now? That's crazy. Right. <laughs> oh, I think the same thing. I'm like, I mean, I know a lot's happened in our life, but yeah, it just started flying by. But yeah, outside of um. Yeah, most of them are like nine months. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a, when you end up in a relationship that flies by like that, there is a lot of back and forth. Yes, and it's it, a roller coaster. Uh, I, I I heard this thing. It's like relationships are never fifty fifty. I'm paraphrasing. They're yeah. sixty forty, seventy thirty. Yeah. And who is the seventy and who is the thirty changes. It fluctuates. You know, yes, it, it fluctuates. Like sometimes I'm at thirty percent, and you need to take the reins. Sometimes yeah. you're at thirty percent, and I need to take the reins. And that is in all situations: and sexual, yeah. emotional, uh, and and in the, the outside world, the bills and the, and the, <laughs> yeah. li- the old adult- adulting. You know, yeah. Um, and that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's that's healthy. you know, and that, that's exchange. I think if you're it, nothing against. People who have long-term BDSM relationships that stay stat like static. Oh yeah, and I've seen good for you. Good for you. Yeah. That's great that you can do that, and you're very. There must well, and be some a people lot don't of switch, and some people are very in that ingrained that you're in very who they are. Confident yeah. in who you are as a person, and you are good at your role and your and staying in your role. But there is still emotional back and forth. There know? is, and everyone that I know who's in those long-term relationships goes through. A roller coaster of how much they can be that way. Or right. They need to step back. Right. I know a guy who took a step back for 20 years. Right. Because emotionally, he was struggling with being that person and raising his kid. He could not be both people. Yeah. And so he chose to raise his kid. Yeah. And then he got back into it. Yeah. But it's like, you're going to ride a roller coaster no matter what. You right. change. You grow. You learn things. Uh, you unlearn things. I just wish that we had more education before we started yeah. being taken advantage of by older people. Yeah. And people, people who twice had been in lifestyle age. longer. Um, because brand new. They to- should have been <clears throat> taking steps to educate us rather yeah. than taking advantage of our lack. Of Cause knowledge. it's not, it's not just getting into a relationship with a person who is a dominant and then you have that kind of relationship. No, it's a community. No. It's yeah. literally a club that you go to in certain yeah. areas. An exclusive And these club. people know each other. And these people know each other, and it's a community. And when somebody new comes in, you got at least three or four predators who zero in on these newbies and take yeah. advantage of them. Yeah. Um, and, and the you'll other have people a, are not you'll have stepping a few up. people who will step up and be like, eh, you don't want to talk to that guy. Um, yeah. That's cool. Strangely, in my situation, but mostly submissives. But, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we stick out for each other. Because yeah. we don't want to see each other get taken advantage of. But then you'll see the ones that they don't warn you about. Mm-hmm. Because they're not necessarily a predator. But they're still not doing their due diligence and educating. Yeah. 
Because I'm, it, like, for example, I go into the fucking club. I'm brand new. I yeah. don't know. I know that I have submissive tendencies. I don't know anything else beyond that. Yeah. Come to find out 20 years later, you know, 15, 20 years later, I'm not really a submissive. No. I'm a masochist. There's a difference. And somebody should yeah. have educated me on that. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just like for the longest time, people kept telling me I was a lesbian. But I'm not. <laughs> no, you're a man. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's a difference. Right? Like, there's overlap right. in the queer community and the, and the BDSM community, but not as much as you would think, which is interesting as well. Um, because I feel like in the queer community, there is a little more discourse about the different subgenres. There right? is more now. Now. Uh, now. Yes. There was not that. So. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's no, quite I think frustrating. We're starting, we're starting to get some education, but the problem there is that the, the wrong people are taking the lead. You have to, you have to vet your resources for sure. Um, Even when we were at DomCon. Yeah. When we were coming up, it was still the early 2000s and the internet was not as widely used as it is now. Um, no. And most of what was on that was not good information. Ask Jeeves and shit like that. Was still <laughs> on the internet. So, you know, that was not quite. Yeah. Uh, the best resource, but now you can Forums. find quite a lot of information. Um, so you do have to be careful and just don't get into a relationship with people without working at some kind of communication first. <laughs> like, just don't do that. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in <laughs> contracts. I 100% believe in having BDSM and contracts. If something in the contract needs to be bent, it needs to be a thorough conversation first. Yes. And if they want to bend something on the contract and you don't, leave. Yeah. Just leave. 100%. I believe in them because there is a level of accountability in a contract. I agree. And I have found that more people who have them also respect your boundaries. Mm, yes. In my, this yes. is in my experience. If you they present to, it to you, yeah, yeah, they are more inclined because you have to agree on that. I know a lot of people don't who, let them coerce you into signing no. a contract. If there's something that you're not sure about in the contract, put no, it on. No, a hundred percent. This has to be laid out like a bill. Because Spike I call gave this me a, a collar off conversation. Oh, I see why you're defensive about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've never told me that. Oh yeah, there was a contract involved. <clears throat> he had, he had, there was paperwork. There was lots of paperwork. There should have been paperwork before you ever went out the first time. Yeah. That's um, what I'm, I mean, it's like a prenup. But I, but the difference being is that I didn't know how to say no to things. Yes. And I didn't know exactly what I wanted. Um, yeah. and I so, wanted to be accepted. So I would, right. I would, I would either not give an answer and just let things yeah. happen or right. I would say yes and then regret it later. Um, right. so that, that's where. So speaking as a person who does contracts. Yeah. And has done that as a dom. Mm -hmm. I go through several steps. And this was born out of that first serious relationship. Mm -hmm. I go through several several steps. I go through a checklist. A dominant submissive checklist. A mm -hmm. kink checklist. Where people mark what they will not do. And if they mark everything, we have a talk. That's my first flag. Because doms get the wrong ones too. Yeah. And I, having been on the receiving end of having the wrong submissive. Yeah. Who was trying to push me to be abusive. Yeah. I learned really quickly. Um, so I do a list first. And in that list, I want, I want reds. I want hard limits. Uh -huh. I want soft limits because 
Uh-huh. I know a lot of people, the fun of, of kink for them is to be pushed a little bit. So what's your soft limit? What is the thing that you're like, I don't think I'm into that, but I'll try it. I break it down step by step. Then I do assignments. And this is before I ever play with anybody in it from a dominant perspective. I do assignments on their self-worth and on what they think their worth is in BDSM. Mm. Because more often than not, I run into people like myself. Of course. Yeah. Which, a lot of submissives come from that same mentality. It's just a it's fact. Which leaves room for education. Mm-hmm. And for me to sit down and go, no, I've been in your shoes. Yeah. And then after that, you do a contract. Yeah. And I do a very basic contract with room to add things. I don't start with a big contract. Right. I start with a very simple one. And then I'm like, okay, what do you want added to this? And they make that list. And that includes caveats for when color off conversations need to happen. Mm -hmm. Because I don't, I understand some people do this as a uh, old school, they're gory and there are people who do this on a different level. That's not for newbies. Mm -mm. Don't go there. Um, But for me, color off conversations mandatory. The ability to have them. The ability to request them, the ability to demand them yeah. is mandatory yeah. because equal footing. I had that in a contract with someone I was submissive to, and when I requested it, she had a meltdown. That was a flag. Yeah, that's not good. I shut that shit down the same night. Yeah. I was done. So for me, I have steps. I have someone who's voiced an interest in being submissive to me right now, and we're moving very slowly because Especially I want them to know what distance, they're getting into. Too. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that like, oh, I'm so great as Dom. I'm going to be like, blow your mind. I might be. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm saying that like, don't, don't make any promises to me that you don't feel you can keep. That means right. energy wise. <clears throat> that means, uh, an act. That point means- I would like to make as well is that if you are a dominant person, you need to pay attention to these subtle cues from your submissive. And if you're not doing that, or if you're ignoring these cues, um, you're not good. <laughs> because, yeah. like, going back to this relationship that I was talking about before, if if that person had have cared of, at all, yeah, about where I was mentally and emotionally, right, he would have seen my uncomfort mm-hmm. or un or like unsure body language. You know, in multiple situations. Yeah. You know, um, and he would have done things differently, but he was a bad person. Right. <laughs> so. Right. It sucks. No, and that's it really sucks that one person can ruin an entire aspect of my personality. Yeah. Um, yeah and reclaiming that power is another thing. Yeah. And that's like a whole nother adventure. Is reclaiming the power to taking back those things. See, I use BDSM to learn to take back things about myself. Sadly, it didn't happen like that for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't learned enough to be like, hey, go this direction. Sure. Like, I didn't know what direction to go in. I was trusting people because other people trusted them. Terrible mistake there. I didn't read my own intuition so well back then. Mm-hmm. I was more in tune than some of my peers, but I was not well, up that, to par. 
but also that person was very good at um yeah coming across as not a bad person. Yeah. There's I mean there's risk in well there's risk in dating, there's risk in BDSM. Anything. Yeah, any Anything. kind of relationship that involves other people, yeah. It's frustrating, but I have taken back. I mean, I immediately took back my name from yes, that person. Yes, which you definitely um, yeah. I took back and am in the process of taking back my relationship to my sexuality, whatever that means, figuring that out, and my self-worth, you know, because yeah. my self-worth is no longer based in what I can do for other people. And that's, as a side note, that's one reason why my current relationship goes the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Because I want her to learn that her self-worth isn't wrapped around that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she pulled back. It's not the initial reason she pulled back, but I think that's why she's pulled back the way she has sure. recently yeah. with the limitations and the lack of limitations that she's set forward. She needs to know that that's not the only reason that I'm here. Right, right. And it took me a long time to understand what she was talking about because she she would... she would spout off part of the, the, the thought, but not the whole thought, yeah. which I'm guilty of. But then she never went back to complete the thought. So it would come out as like, um, you don't own me. Well, I never acted like that. So why, why are we talking about this? What it really was rooted in is even in her past life, a lot of her value was centered around that. Mm-hmm. We're taught that's what we're good at. That's what we're valued for. Yeah. The reason that, I have put in the, the work and the energy into finding a balance in this relationship is so that she can learn that. I say faster than us, but she's older than me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that she can learn that about herself and give herself more value. Yeah. And that way, the next time there's a relationship that comes along, that person is also giving her more value. Mm-hmm. Because the worst thing in a poly situation for me is valuing someone so much and having another partner of that person not value them. And, and watching it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And not yeah. being able to say or do anything without coming across the wrong way. Yeah. Especially during like NRE. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I've kept the balance I have with her. But also she's watched me grow and change over the last 10 years. And she's recently told me, you don't need somebody to tell you what to do. Sure. Which was the same thing that he tried to tell me back in 2009 when he fucked up and told me I was dominant. Yeah. He's like, you don't need someone to own you. Which is kind of the same thing that a pirate not too long before that told me. Yeah. And it's consistently people have been telling me this. Yeah. And well, it's, I'm only learning it in little layers. Little layers. It's like, what that like, means, oh, okay. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> But she recently told me that. And it's because in our relationship, when it changed, when I transitioned and we, our structure of intimacy changed, Mm -hmm. I panicked because again, that was my sole purpose in life was like sex and Mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. So if she didn't want the service and she didn't want the sex, I couldn't figure out what the hell I was worth having there for. And this relationship has taught me a, the layers of love that run so much deeper than, than sex. Mm-hmm. And B, the 
general self-worth that I started building in 2009 has really blossomed even through this struggle because she's still here and I'm still here. Yeah. Even with a lack of the things that I was taught is love, we're both still here. Yeah. I don't have to give her service to earn her staying here. Right. To earn her uh, affection, even if it's different, different from how I show it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have to earn it. That what is that thing your tarot cards say? There's a thousand different kinds of love from a thousand Oh, yeah. It says that everyone ways. wants love and affection, even if it's done in a million different ways. Yeah. So it might not be my way of doing it. Right. But it's still there. I recognize it when it happens. I'm getting better at recognizing it. Right. Uh, opposite is an understatement here. <laughs> but for me, staying and learning and working through it, right up to the point of how it is today yeah has been a process of learning my own self-worth and learning that a relationship doesn't have to require it's not the be all like and that. end all yeah it's not well a relationship is not the be all and end all it's called self-worth for a reason mm -hmm. i am worthy of love even if period. i'm alone <laughs> yeah but period like i'm worthy but to love myself to show myself yeah. respect and care I don't have yeah. to do it to make somebody else happy. Like, oh, let me right. take a shower and shave my legs and make myself all pretty because for someone else. No, I do it for me. Fuck you. Yeah. And you need to be able to do it for you. <laughs> because otherwise, if you're not, you're depressed. Yes. <laughs> Usually. That's what that means. Yes. Like, but that's you, the thing. Like, I'm worthy of having good food. I'm worthy of right. having time to myself. I'm worthy of doing things that I enjoy. I'm worthy of getting out of bed and dragging myself up when I don't feel like it and, and working because I'm worthy of the work you? that it takes to reach my goals, you yeah. know? Um, and I don't have to give something to someone or no do something for someone to make that worth happen. It's, it's inherently there. And I um, think that that's what that has been happening. years of work <laughs> and it's still well, and with her going into her transition mm -hmm. from one perspective to the other that's yeah. a whole process and yeah. she's been going through hers longer than mine yeah and she hit a point where she started to feel like that was her her worth yeah and i didn't i i don't want that i don't want to create that in someone it wasn't necessarily from me but it was just from life experience i definitely have met cis men who feel like their only worth is in sex as well. Yeah. I'm being good at sex and how big their dick is or whatever. Yes. Because um, that's so what it's you know, not just an inherent female perspective. No. Um, it is a societal perspective. I feel like she dealt with that prior to transition. Probably. probably. In a big way. Yeah. And it because also if when you're complimented. Oh, yeah. When you're complimented, then you're like, oh, I'm good at this. But then if mm -hmm. no one compliments anything else you and do. Anything else. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Then you're just like, oh, this is the thing I'm good at. And especially if it starts early. If yeah. you're exposed to sex and sexual things at an early age. Yeah. Um, I I was not sexually assaulted as a child. Thank God. Trigger warning. Sorry. Um, But I was exposed to it really young. Yeah. And exposed to graphic pornography really young. Right. Um, Whereas I had the opposite experience. Right. I had zero material exposure, but I had an abuser. Yeah. 
So for me, it was, it made it to where that's all I thought about. Yeah. It, it, it influenced me because like, Ooh, this is love. This is, yeah. this is how I'm going to feel good. And right. I want people to want me in that way. Yeah. At an age where I was way too young to want people to want me in that way. Yes. You know? Um, so I grew up really fast because I wanted to be at that point. Um, right. And I think. And that, I did because I needed to protect myself. Right. And I, and I feel like that influenced why that had such a big impact on, on my self-worth. I, I think. Yeah. I'm going to make my therapist yeah, listen to this podcast. Damn. <laughs> right? right? Seriously. You're like, here, let me show you. What's going on? I already had this conversation. Just listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it again. <laughs> right? No, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I appreciate the fact that I've been in a relationship this long because mm-hmm. I've been able to go through the phases and not get stuck and start over and stuck and start over like I kept doing where I would start yeah. to learn a lesson. Yeah. But then because the, the relationship ended, I went back to square one and mm-hmm. I did what I knew how to do and. I'd seen a memory recently that was like, uh, from like 2013, that was like, why does everyone expect me to go back to normal after all this shit's done? I'm like, normal has never done me any favors. No. And the expectation of acting a certain way has never done me any favors. There is no normal for me. Yeah. Like, growing through this with, with her, I've gone through switching with her. We've gone through very intense intimacy times and very not dry times. <laughs> Very dry yes. intimacy times, yes. We've been separated. We've been on multiple occasions by not not by choosing to be, by other things causing it to happen. Mm-hmm. We've had separation in our life. And we're still here fighting for this and learning about ourselves. And for the last uh I'd say for at least two years and it's not the recent two years, but it does overlap recent two years for at least two years i was giving her submission she didn't want right she didn't ask for it i desperately needed it i needed to be able to feel that and i wasn't feeling it back from her so i just kept giving yeah and it wasn't that's very unfulfilling and that's that's detrimental and it's also very and it's and it's wrong to do to put that on her because she had already voiced the fact that she didn't feel that way yeah and I just defaulted back into that state and didn't realize I was putting that on her until I felt completely unsatisfied and drained because I'd poured myself out all over the place and she wasn't there. Yeah. Cause she, like, that was not the nature of your relationship. No. Yeah. And she can't, uh, don't go into a relationship with someone in a vanilla way. Now we didn't, but just as a side note, if you go into a relationship with someone in a vanilla way and you all start exploring, don't try to foist a role on someone just right. because of your own role. Yeah. Because it won't work. Some people want to learn. Some people are not cut out for that. Um, I'm a masochist. Mm-hmm. She does not like to inflict pain. Mm-hmm. Not on people she cares about. Um, so it, it wouldn't work. It, that, there's just no way that would work. And so I was putting myself out there because I had an innate need to serve. Mm-hmm. And I was getting no energy exchange because she had asked me not to do that. Yeah. And it'll drain you because you're just, like yeah. you said, you're pouring yourself out. And, and I'm, I wasn't always noticing. <laughs> and it's only been like uh, in the last nine months that I've taken a real good look at certain behaviors that were default behaviors of mine. Yeah. 
and realizing that those are submissive behaviors. Right. And that they're a place I go when I feel rejected because I'm trying to earn back some value. Mm. Um, and so that, that growth and like riding the roller coaster of submissive, dominant, realizing I'm a switch, realizing that it's okay to be a switch. Yeah. Realizing that doesn't make me any less of a dominant with the people I'm dominant with. Right. Or any less of a submissive with the people I submit to. Right. Um, and also that's like, that that's like being a poly, a pan romantic poly person and like being in a relationship with a man and being in a relationship with a woman and being like, well, right. if I'm in a relationship with a woman, then I must not be gay. Right. <laughs> like, that's not how that works. No. <laughs> but it's still like somehow societally built in to be very yeah. black and white about it. Yeah. And as much as I'm a, a blur the lines kind of person, I still see things very starkly a lot of times. My brain just works like that. Yeah. And so I was struggling to find that middle ground. Okay, it's like being solo poly. Mm-hmm. I have I know a lot of people that are poly, but they're solo poly. They don't have a nesty. They don't want to like sit into a space and fill that void in a household. Sure. It's not for them. They date. They be with their people. And they stay in their own space. Uh-huh. My BDSM is kind of like that for me. Uh-huh. I have play partners. I would like to have a couple more. I would like to be able to interact on different levels because e- each person likes something different. That's uh-huh. hence polyamory. Uh-huh. I happen like a lot of things. So. Right. <laughs> and they don't always overlap for people. So for me, um, it's kind of been coming to that point where I'm going like, okay, I don't need a person to be considered polyamorous. I don't mm-hmm. need a person to be considered uh, submissive or dominant. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take away from me being mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And it's in that process of self-exploration and experience, um, I feel like I'm going to reach my end goal because yeah. I'm self-accepting. Yeah, you're learning to this is to be like we said before. If you're in a long term relationship where you have had the same roles for a long time, you must be very self confident. You're yeah. coming into that self confidence because you're yes, you're defining the roles for yourself without anybody else's influence, which I've never really had the opportunity to do. Yeah, um, I have spent the majority of the last five years mostly unpartnered, besides my nasty, right? Except like nine months in there. Yeah. Everything has, I've been, I've been flying kind of solo for a while in that. And it's been that process that's been really helpful. Also, finding the balance with the outside people who say that they're poly or say that they're a poly dom and they're not. Yeah. Um, and learning how to catch the jealousy flags early. Yeah. Everybody has their own needs and some of that jealousy can be worked and- through. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm a jealousy-shaming polyamorist over here. No, yeah, no, jealousy, jealousy is a, a thing, normal feel a human reaction. Yeah. The thing with polyamory is that you don't give in to that jealousy, and yes. you discuss it, and you work through it, because it's not healthy. Yes, and when you try to discuss it, if the other person is not discussing it, you need to just, <laughs> yep. <laughs> they shut this down. This is a line-drawing moment, <laughs> because when I try to discuss it, the best way I can describe it is it came back at me kind of like a tantrum. Mm. But this person was under the influence of 
legal substances. Yeah. And I'm not talking about marijuana. Yeah. I'm not talking about cannabis. No, because if you're, if you're, generally, if you're high, you're more likely to discuss things. (laughs) That's how I had had those interactions prior with her, where she was just very good at just chill and discussing. And we were like, okay, feeling this out. And then whenever other things were involved, primarily alcohol, Mm -hmm. it was a different story. Yeah. And it was a different behavior. Uh, It influences uh, the bigger emotions, like the anger and the jealousy and the things like that. They become bigger and harder to control. Uh, And I had to, I think I had to experience putting my foot down with a bomb. And standing up for yourself. Yes, 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 definitely. Because as a submissive, you need to be able to. Her house at midnight. You have to be able to do that because if your dom is not honoring the the rules and things that have had been set forth, then you a hundred percent have the right and the duty to stand up yeah. for yourself and say, No, yeah. this is not right. We're not doing this. You know? And I had to. And I was upset about having to do it. It's really Primarily hard. Primarily <laughs> because I felt really let down and it's I like really, really overexerted. Yeah, yeah. Um, and getting home was a real pain in the ass. Though. Oh, I bet. I bet. It's really hard but to do that. I feel like through those things that this, I've ridden this wave and I've accepted the fact that I'm solo submissive right now and I'm also yeah. solo dominant right now. Um, We're kind of in the same boat because I, I'm learning to, I think it was one of the tarot readings we did, we did that really stuck with me. I'm learning to like accept myself for uh who I am. Like uh, about this time last year, I come to find out I was like, oh maybe I am a little. Right. You know, and now I'm like, okay, I'm a little. <laughs> and there's like no shame in that. There's <laughs> it's no okay. Shame in it. And I'm not actively pursuing a caregiver, but I'm learning to accept myself and to and, and give myself the space to be that. Um, and and become educated. About things like caregivers, right, and your and your needs and your experiences and what right. you want, because it's much better to go because just educated. like just like giving your submission to someone who doesn't want it, asking someone to take care of you who hasn't agreed to take care of a child, <laughs> yes, <laughs> let alone an adult who goes into childlike modes, um, yeah, is not fair to them without no. some kind of conversation or agreement. So it has, it, yeah. it's just as, just as much as you want to be respected in not being required. Can I change the subject that? just real quick about littles yes. and things? Yes. No. Growing up, I always wanted to be like my mamma. Yeah. Because my mamma was a little, <laughs> uh-huh. she had dolls. She didn't drive. She never owned it, had a, had a driver's license or anything. She never drove. And Papa took care of that woman. He took care of her. He carried her to bed, you know, and babied her. And uh-huh. I just, I loved their relationship. I grew up seeing that. I grew up like, God, I just want to be like, man, I don't want to drive. I want somebody to take care We've of me. We've always existed. That. Yeah. And it was just like, when you think about like the 1920s, 30s, when they were coming up, um, it was kind of normal for women to act a little more like that. Well, but you had, but some not very, to that extent. Yo, then you had yeah. some very like tough, like mm, yeah, grown women, right? But yes, it was more expected for women to be delicate, right? Yes. But I think I think there was an extreme there. There is because uh, <laughs> hers is very much the same way. Yeah, um, had a wonderful doll collection. Never drove. Yeah, 
was always well taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Like to dress up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, Very cutesy little tiny thing, too. Little tiny, tiny yeah. thing. <clears throat> yeah, so we've always existed. Yeah. She sees that similarity between her and hers. And it's, it's funny. It's because I, I look at it now and I'm like, I'm kind of turning into that, aren't I? <laughs> I didn't mean to, but I've always admired their relationship and how he took care of her and how sweet it was, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, um, Maybe that's why I married a man who acts like he's 80. Because <laughs> he's like my pebble. <laughs> Except he's also a brat. He's a little bit of a brat, too. Pebble was a brat, too. Uh-huh. Like, teasing. He was a teaser. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But that's, that's the thing, though. You start to see those patterns going back. They're there. I've seen some, I've seen some of that myself just just watching the night. I'm like, oh, that that behavior. That's yeah. oh, that behavior is that kind of thing. Like, yeah. I never would have. Yeah. And suddenly, these these ladies with these doll collections made sense because I hate dolls. I hate them. I want nothing to do with them. Yeah. You like stuffies. I can deal with some. I like stuffies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very much uh, I lean that direction. I have stuffies. I have so many stuffies. And strangely enough, being called out as being like uh, having middle tendencies that overlap my caretaker tendencies is kind of weird. It makes um, sense. It's like babysitter tendencies, I yeah. guess. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Big bro. <laughs> send, I'm going to send him an invoice. <laughs> Babysitting services? Oh my god. Maybe when he's a little more relaxed about it. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, seriously, it's it's like finding that also and being okay with it. Because that was another facet that I was like, oh, I don't fit into that that world. But I was wrong. I overlapped that world. Venn diagrams are very complicated. Yeah. When it comes to me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I felt like it was just... Just your whole existence is a Venn diagram. Just a big circle. It's just, just a big circle. Big circle. It was like black because all the colors have yep. overlaid on top just, of each other. It's just overlaid. <laughs> all there. No, I... I felt like it was really important to discuss how you can grow and change through all that, though. Yeah. And and how even when stuff ends, maybe not on the best of terms, and I'm not talking about your situation, I'm talking about mine. Sure. Your situation should never have happened. No, that was like, 100% that is a situation abuse. that there's a, there's never. a difference in like a relationship that doesn't end great or that maybe kind of gets yeah. toxic or whatever, and like straight up like abuse. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, very believe different. Believe me, that's. But with mine, I feel like I learned a foundation of self-appreciation, mm-hmm. even if it wavered, um, that no one else bothered to drill into me. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And then also, I learned what I did and didn't want to be. And I can attribute a lot of the men in my life to teaching me that. Yeah. Even though I didn't know that this, that the end goal was that I was creating Gonna a, a guy. Going to be yeah. a better man. Yeah. It was a better man. Um, I had joked with people about that before. Yeah. And then I seen it happening in front of me and I was like, okay, so, uh, I learned a lot from yeah. those people and I carried forward things like the assignments and the checklist. Right. And all the things that he did to make sure I was secure in what we were doing. Um, he took very special care of the fact that I was, yeah, I feel yeah. like I could have had he better education good. from my peers though. Yeah. I needed submissive people. To talk to me about their experiences and commune together, which I think yeah. should be more of a thing. But we're all anxious, and I'm, so. <laughs> I'm and we are all anxious, and that's why I'm actually I want to start. Um, I want to do an AMA, yeah, 
Um, hopefully it will start monthly once we have more patrons, but when mm-hmm. we start building the Patreon up, I want to do an AMA and I want to talk about this stuff with people. Yeah. I want to be asked questions because education is so necessary. It really is. And it's still so inaccessible sometimes. Yeah. It's great that people do classes and stuff and, and I understand needing to be charged, uh, for your time, you know, well, um, and, and some of us don't have that. And, and some of us can't, are not in a living situation where we can do a class. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can, I plan to put together good resources, vetted resources, and put them on the website. Yeah. But I do want to start an AMA because I want other people in our peer group to talk about those things. Yep. Um, before 10 years goes by, and we're all in our mid-40s trying to figure out who we are. All the crap we should, yeah, all the yeah. crap we should have known ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do. I want to open that up. I want to start becoming a consistent thing where we just do a maybe a TikTok live or something mm-hmm. from time to time where we can just kind of answer some questions and take. Obviously, with TikTok, we have to take some questions elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but I know that there's a pretty thriving kink talk. And that if we started answering some questions from our peers, maybe people would be more open to talk about it. Yeah. Also, there's not a lot of trans kink education accessible. Mm. And I am a person that does not, I am not offended by any questions. If you're a douche, uh, I'll, I'll tell you you're a douche, but I'm not offended by your questions. Like a genuine question. Yeah. And if, even if it's something that normally, um, it would be advisable to not ask trans people, I'll tell you up front, like, please do not ask. Like the just a random person, person that you yeah. meet. Yeah. yeah. Leave them alone. I'm, I put myself out there as an educator, so I'll answer these questions. Right. But please, if someone has not said they're willing to do that, uh, emotional labor for you, please don't put that on them. Yeah. You will burn bridges. Yeah. Um, I'm open to any questions. I'm going to make sure there's accessible ways to send questions to us. Yeah. Outside of email, because not everybody's old school Insta- enough to use Instagram email. Instagram is Instagram's a great uh, place in our uh, Ayla and Ammo Instagram messages. Yeah, that's a, a I, I use Instagram a lot. So. Yeah, I do too. And we both, both of us have access to that Instagram account, so we'll both be able to see it um, if it's a question yeah. that I can answer or a question that Ammo needs to answer. Yeah, and if it's targeted specifically at one of us, just let us know, because yep. I feel like the, the crux of putting all this energy into a podcast is really education. Yeah. There's entertainment value and there's lots of other things that I'm touching on. No, but but for me, it's really about education. Sharing the experience that we have had in life, because if not to share and educate, then it was worthless. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, then all the bull was completely pointless. It was pointless. And so we've, we've been through the shit. So let us help you not go through it. Yeah. And if you're in the middle of stuff, like, yeah. there are resources. Yes. Don't and I'm a resource that. guy. Yeah. You are the resource guy. I'm going to make a business card, and that's just what it is. The resource guy. And just have my contact. Because literally, I've had people message me in the middle of the night, hey, I'm in this Midwestern state. Uh, can you tell me where there's some kind of queer resources? We need help. Yeah. And I'm like, hold on a second. Yep. I'll get you some. And I put, I can put them in touch with people. I can put them in touch with programs. It's what I do. Also, if you ever need to find someone that you haven't seen in 10 years, (laughs) ask Ammo to find them. (laughs) He'll find them. (laughs) I 
have a skill. I have a skill. I don't know why. See, I was trying to direct this into being a bounty hunter, but since that didn't work, I'm just no. the, the fix-it-find-it resource guy. There you go. But no, I, I do have a skill for that. <laughs> Even back in the olden days of MySpace and LiveJournal. <laughs> you couldn't find people as easily. When you couldn't find people. You could still find everyone. It's so weird. It really, it's strange. It's got to be left over. Like the some white past pages. Uh, yeah, maybe oh, you God. were a, maybe you were a, what is the word I'm looking for? A dick. You were a private dick. <laughs> yes. yes. Totally. <sighs> I'm telling you. Oh, my God. No, I, I felt like it was a good time to open up this, though, because I'm hitting a kind of a pinnacle in my self-awareness yeah. in this area. Yeah. And what better time to talk about it than it's kind of fresh, like, how rough it's been and also how healthy it's been to go mm-hmm. through these things. I mean, it's uh, rough. It's rough in the best of ways because you're in, a, you're in a mostly safe environment. Uh, mentally, this is the most stable time for me going through. Yeah, and and things. being able yeah. to process those things is like I, the best. But it's kind of like a uh, rock tumbler. <laughs> yeah, loud and and a little loud. bit painful. Loud and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you might electrocute yourself. Be careful. <laughs> yes. Now, I mean, I do like electric play, but not. Not electrocution. Like oh God, I hate getting electrocuted. Ugh, no, I don't like that feeling. feeling. That's not what a violet wand feels like. No. And if I you would... ever use a tens unit that feels like that, throw it away. It's broken. Yes. Oh no, our table. It's uh-huh. broken. <laughs> so yeah, I I'm glad to have started that conversation. Yeah. I hope that we can continue it over the. Years, years. Definitely. I want this to last for years. Definitely. <laughs> so, if you have any questions about the topics we've spoken of, please send us a message on Facebook, Instagram, email, our website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can pretty much reach us anywhere. Um, yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do we have a Twitter? We do have a Twitter, don't we? We do have a Twitter. <laughs> I don't use Twitter very often. <laughs> I use Twitter. Oh. I share things to Twitter from my gaming Instagram, but I never actually log into the Twitter itself unless I'm, like, entering a contest or something. (laughs) (laughs) It is good for that. Yeah. But, no, we we do have an an active Twitter, a semi-active Twitter, because I'm the one that runs it. So Mm -hmm. I need to get back on that. But we'll be posting stuff up on there, too. Yes. Cut. (laughs) 